Hey everyone, my name is Ryan. Go grab some cocoa, sit back, and relax because it's a holiday episode of The Talkie File. Alright everybody, thank you for playing The Talkie File this holiday season. I have some pretty amazing people on with me today. And I want to give a little bit of a backstory before I introduce them today. So, these two... You will probably remember them from a few Humongous Entertainment games, and most notably one that I can never stop talking about, Putt-Putt Saves the Zoo. These guys, ever since playing Putt-Putt Saves the Zoo, I wanted to meet them, and I had the amazing opportunity to do so during a live stream uh, with one of the main brains behind the scenes playing Putt-Putt Saves the Zoo with the hi-fi music. And ever since then, I'm like, now I need to get them on for the talkie file and make this holiday season a blast because I have a bunch of questions and I know a lot of you guys listening had some questions too. Today, I have the fat man and part of team fat here with me today. Let's let's just have them introduce themselves. Howdy, Ryan. I'm George Sanger. I'm the fat man. Uh, I'm really glad to be part of your project to make Christmas exciting again, to save Christmas. Yeah, because the children were so good this year. They were good. And I'm Joe McDermott, and I'm a children's musician and also a lucky member of Team Fat from back in the day. And I would like, I'd like George and I to describe what Ryan actually looks like. Oh, no. Oh, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> he's, he's probably maybe six foot three, would you say, George? I'd say so. And, and the skin tone, it's like, it's like just like a humongous cartoon. It's sort of an olive uh, green. It's beautiful. <laughs> he's got big, thick glasses. I... <laughs> well, no, he can see through walls is the amazing thing. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ryan. I... Have I ruined it yet? <laughs> no, no, not at all. This is great. This is great. Oh, thank goodness. Thank goodness. So what can, what can we do you for, Ryan? So we're going to save the holiday season. We're going to save Christmas. And the only way for us to save the holiday season is for you guys to tell everyone what your holiday season is going to be like this year. Let's talk about that. Like, what do you guys got planned for the holiday season? Has the pandemic possibly messed anything up for you guys? Are you guys still going to have the holiday that you wanted this year? Well, you know, you know when, a, when a window opens, a door closes <laughs> one, of, one of my sons is a park ranger and he's got to work all Christmas Day so we're going to actually go out to his park and have our Christmas there uh-huh. uh, so uh, that's that's our holiday plans we're gonna, we got a scavenger hunt planned and, you know and it's outdoors so we can uh, we can blame the pandemic for having for being out there scaring the gophers or whatever it is that they got how about you Joe do you celebrate the holidays uh, we do I have um, <clears throat> there are six of us living in the house now <laughs> two of my sons are home um and it's going to be a music christmas yes Ooh. yesterday I, I bought myself a new preamp uh, spent a bunch of money uh i think i'm going to get an espresso maker which is pretty exciting and uh my sons are all getting music big big music presents so it's great Ooh. so the espresso machine's your music present what kind of songs are you gonna make with that yeah <laughs> Takes a lot of coffee to make children's music, Ryan. <laughs> and now you know our secret, so you can eat our brains and become us. 
<laughs> well, I mean, if I, I'm going to have to move to Texas, if I'm going to eat your brains. Yeah, don't don't move here, and unless your politics are in line, don't move here. Oh no, I I, I want to actually visit Austin because um I heard a lot of good things about the weather. Like it can go up to a hundred degrees in Austin, but not feel hot. Is that true? <laughs> Where did you hear that, Ryan? I, I I was reading something on the internet, and then I got <laughs> sucked into a rabbit hole, and everyone's like, "Yeah, it reaches a hundred in here. It's not hot." Like, I'm guessing that's not true. <laughs> I'll just I'll just state a fact: one hundred is hot. Oh, oh no! <laughs> but if you come, I'll I'll we'll we'll have some fun. We'll go Woo. we'll go see the sights of Austin. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> okay, well, um, so it sounds like everybody's got um, great holiday plans. So I am super, super happy that I'm a small little chunk of your holiday this year, and I'm glad that you guys are a little chunk of my holiday this year, as well as everybody who's going to be listening during the holiday stream. Um, so it, this is this is great. This is great. Um, jumping right into the interview even though we've been on for what how how long now and, uh, <laughs> i i think the interview started back then but <laughs> um i got some rigorous questions for the both of you um and a lot of it is actually going to be uh, around the starting time of when team fat was introduced and when midi music was a thing because like i i have a lot of questions about midi because I, I was still a kid when MIDI was a thing. So, like, I was only able to listen to it, and I, I, I haven't really got the chance to experience it. So we're going to be talking a lot about uh, MIDI music for games and things like that. So jumping right in, let, let's start from the beginning. Um, and this is for both of you here. Um, what was the first song you wrote for a game or the first soundtrack you did for a game? Those uh, were separated by a long, a long spot. Joe, what, what was the first one that you did for a game? Long, long, long pause. Holiday music dubbed into the background, Ryan. <laughs> as we're waiting. Uh, I think Wings. Uh, the, uh, I think the Game Boy version of Wings, or either that or the regular Nintendo, not the Super. I think that was my first thing that you actually trusted me like we were doing like wings and nba basketball and stuff like that but you didn't but didn't was, but you did like a penguin game for game Boy. i did a penguin you? game in 83 wow yeah so uh that was and that was before midi uh i mean that was midi uh did it exist by then i think it just kind of almost existed but but that had nothing to do with me i had a four track tape recorder and uh i Came up with an idea for a, you know, doom, dee, doom, dee, doom, dee, doom, played it on guitar real slow on the tape recorder and then went to the next track and played the the melody over the top of that. So it was just two voices. It was for Intellivision. Mm -hmm. And then uh, when I got it where I wanted it, I wrote it out on manuscript paper like music and then wow. gave, gave that to the developer. And he's a musician. George, I didn't know that. That's you, amazing. Really? That's like yeah, my, yeah. that's my origin story. <laughs> and the developer was Dave Warhol. Oh. So he knew how to that. Yeah. So he, he knew how to uh, turn that into code. And uh and and that was that and I did it for free. 
But he oh. called me a little while later and said, uh, our, our lawyers said, we have to have you pay us. How much do you want for it? And I said, $1,000 for a 10-second song. So they paid me $1,000 and the company went out of business. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you broke them. That's all they had. That's right. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't stay on for the whole eight seconds. No. And they were saving up for Christmas. That's what their $1,000 was for. I know. Oh. So that's why a lot of people didn't get their Intellivisions that year. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I didn't know that, George. I did. Yeah, that's amazing. So you 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 mentioned that this was before MIDI. So I mean, the the first MIDI. I mean, I, I was working in the studio around then, around eighty eighty two or eighty three, in the yeah. studio with Van Webster and his studio, which was called Digital Sound. It's a very hip studio now. I think it's called like Studio. Uh, or 64 sound or something like that in Pasadena or mm -hmm. South Pass. And, uh, but at the time we were doing like news themes and mm -hmm. we, and one of the artists brought in a, a, a news theme in MIDI mm -hmm. and it was so exotic that mm -hmm. we had, uh, one of the mother's Bob brothers, the one, the one who isn't in Devo was the, sort of world expert at MIDI at the time. Mm -hmm. And we had we had to have him come into the studio and oversee the thing, you know, to just make sure that we had everything hooked up right. So it, yeah. so we were, we were that far back in MIDI, but it wasn't something that you use for games. Back to Intellivision going out of business, then I got a couple of gigs with Atari and I drove them out of business similarly. <laughs> um, and, and some time passed. And and after, just before Christmas, yeah, yeah. And after <laughs> after a while, I was doing MIDI stuff for like karaoke and and song instructors and things like that, mm -hmm. and and songwriters, and uh, and I was doing like uh, uh, any song for forty nine ninety five. And then if, huh. if I got too busy, I would raise it to fifty nine ninety five. And if I got busy, I'd raise it. So I think I was up to about seventy nine ninety five when Warhol <laughs> called me back. And asked if I'd uh, if I was still charging a thousand bucks for ten seconds of music. I said, "No, my rates have changed, Dave, and I'm here for you." <laughs> uh, and so I, I would, uh, and the the MT32 existed at that time, and so I got an MT32. I would write MIDI for that. He, I got him to get an MT32. I would modem him my MIDI files. I'm pretty sure I might have even mailed him some discs, but we had like 300, 600 baud modems, which you don't even want to know what that is. And uh, uh, I would send him the, the files and then he would turn that into code. So that was, that was where we were at with the MIDI. It was, and, and other adventures happened where MIDI became general MIDI. We played, played a big role in that. George played a huge role in that. He was, he's, he was one of the guys behind the, the standard so that you could write something on one yep. computer and it would sound the same on another computer. Mm-hmm. Our early, our early prototype for that was, hey, Joe, you get an MT32 too and write MIDI <laughs> for that. And then when you send me the file or bring it to me on a disc, then I'll be able to play it and hear what it is that you had in mind. And, then, and an MT32 yeah. is a rolling, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. And it, was, and it wasn't a game card. Right. It was uh, it was a cheap way to get a lot of sounds to play when you played a MIDI file because usually mm -hmm. a MIDI a keyboard was a was a keyboard they they didn't have lots of sounds in them they could do one sound at a time so you would have to play 
if you had a MIDI file on a, on a computer, you'd have to send it to a bunch of different synths to, to play a song. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was only meant it was only meant to play one keyboard and then, you know, I'm playing my keyboard and look, my Juno is, is making the sounds. <laughs> that was what it was meant for. Right. It, it, so we, we just kind of found it was just such a useful, great tool. And mm-hmm. I, I did get to have a little drink with Dave Smith, who invented it, MIDI. Oh. We had a, a real nice conversation where he said, you know, I, I said, I, you know, I couldn't have done what I did without MIDI. You know, and he says, you know, sometimes my kids give me a hard time. Dad, you had it all. You know, you had the world by, and you gave it away for free. And I said, Dave, sometimes when you go to the party and you're the guy who brings the beer, you're the coolest guy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and didn't Dave do the Odyssey or, or one of the, the yeah, big Dave, synths? Dave Smith, yeah, he did the Prophets. The prophet, right? Yeah, and 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 he, I think he did some other ones too. That I, I'm just not a, even I am not geek enough to know exactly what they are. Um, <laughs> yeah. But he's a monster. He's an amazing guy. But Man. what was really unique, especially just because George got the MT32, which sounded great. I mean, it it doesn't sound like anything now, but. Uh, Boy, at the time, and I, I listened to some of the old recordings, like the, the raw tracks we did. George produced one of my children's albums early on, and he did all the orchestration with the MT32, and it sounded, it still sounds great. <laughs> um, and the other thing, too, is that, George, you, you have a degree in composition or... So, it, I mean, it was not like giving a monkey uh, this this incredible box that could do, you know, orchestras. It was George. George knew what he was doing with it right away. And he, he knew how to use that thing. And it was good. It was a good move for George to get one, let's say. <laughs> and, I, and I was Don't laugh, George. You know that's yeah, true. Why, why, why are you chuckling at that? Well, but because I'm thinking about how desperate I was to prove that I was, you know, to, 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 to do something that had value. I, I had I had some uh, difficult years when, after that crash, you know, after 83 and all those companies going out of business. And I kind of was learning like, man, if I get a gig, I got to hang on to it. Oh, yeah. You know, so I, so I was very focused uh, by the time I was hanging out with Joe. I, I was very eager to do a good job. Very eager. Um, and, and, and it just happened that fate, you know, in Austin, there was Origin Systems, and they were like, well, we're going to write a game, and the sound card we're going to use is an MT32. And I'm like, I'm a game guy. I do. <laughs> I, 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 and I know the MT32. I'm your guy. I'm your guy. I'm your guy. And, and at the same time, uh, LucasArts was doing MT32 things, so they, they came up with Loom around that. Mm-hmm. I can't remember which one was first. I, I think that it was the uh, it, it was Wing Commander for for Origin Systems. So MT32, it's like right place, right time. Um, and we became the MT32 guys. So so it was just our sketch pad, but then it became the release format. And that's how you got into the general MIDI ball of wax. Well, too, right? actually, uh, it, it, a little more convoluted than that, but um, I got in with the Roland guys then and I, and I was and I was pushing for MT32 to be a standard like we used it in house so I was encouraging you know so John Miles was working with Origin Systems to develop his Miles sound drivers which eventually became 
the drivers for all these PC games, right? Yeah. So John Miles and I were pretty tight. Uh, we ran a, instead of modeming things to people, we set up a BBS at my house and shared it. So it was his computer and he did maintenance on it, but it was our phone line. So John, so John Miles was asking me questions about music and, uh, I got him to use the MT32 as the standard for how to, uh, play back music on the early games. So we would write our songs for MT32 and then the Miles system would play them back the way that we wrote them. So the Miles sound system, um, I I actually found out about them when I was doing research for um, how Humongous did their video files in their games, and I found the Rad Game Tools, and then I found the Miles sound system through that. Is that the same thing? Yeah. Oh, it's okay. evolved. So okay. yeah, the Rad, I think... I think Miles and who was that other guy, John, somebody else. Uh, yeah, they uh, they combined forces somehow. I can't remember exactly when in the timeline. Okay. Um, but the, the magic thing that happened was that my Roland guy, Tom White, and when I finally got around to writing The Seventh Guest, I called him and said, well, if you want to write one sound... You know, at a certain point, I was writing different sound files for every different card there are all these different sound cards and it was a pain in the butt my and tom white said well why don't you just get a roland why don't you just write for general midi i said well how do you do that what's the standard and he said well just get a sound canvas and write for that Hmm. so i wrote seventh guest for sound canvas and you know put it out there and said hey everybody you know i'm taking a chance on writing a sound format that'll uh you know that that where you write once and it plays on all the different sound cards and then it kind of didn't Oh. So I got in the business of Fat Labs where we would certify sound cards so that they would sound good. That was an adventure right there. And that got me into the the technical side of things. So everything that you told me so far about MIDI's and then testing it out on different sound cards to make sure it worked. And then when you guys were writing uh, soundtracks... In MIDI, did you guys ever have any, like, writer's block or anything because you had to go in and test all the sound cards to see if the song that you wrote here sounded the same there? Like, this computer or this game console didn't play your song. Did that ca- did that ever catch you, Joe? Did you ever get involved in that very much? I, I did not, and I can say that for me, it was <laughs> George. George took care of the details. I just wrote. <laughs> okay. But I say this a lot about those times. We had so little to work with, and it was so fun to not have that much to deal with. When I when I started, I think I started on Super Nintendo. We had. You three. did the technology on Super Nintendo when it was a Super Nintendo game. Joe yeah. was the, Joe was yeah. The I had guy. I had to do that. But it was, um, what was it, two voices and a one-armed drummer? Was it three yeah, voices two and boops, one-armed drummer? Okay, so Nintendo was two boops, a beep, and a pfft. Yeah, and that was the one-armed drummer. Right. So if you played if you played a disco beat, you had to do it with one arm. So boom, boom, because there was only one voice for it. <laughs> but I was always kind of inspired by the just the simplicity of it. You know, like how how can we make these boops and beeps actually sound like music and i i i loved it i i miss those days <laughs> and, and and we're going to be doing some some 
Retro. I had to explain to Joe what retro was. I had to explain to Joe what, what chip tunes were last week. Joe, the, the the zombies ate my neighbors guy. Joe Joe is retro. Yeah, it turns out. <laughs> yeah, it turns out. We have out. met retro, and it is us. I I never had writer's block, but I was I was very. Uh, but you get sucked down the drain of having to to get into the technology, and Joe wasn't that interested in it. Except when you'd get a tool to write Super Nintendo or something like that. Those came with specific tools. And Joe right. liked to start with those tools and then mess them up with his own sampler <laughs> systems, you know. Yeah, you, you had good adventures there, Joe. So Yeah, yeah, I was... You were yeah. not free of technology, but you just did the things that... I mean, I, I, I learned what I had to learn to do yeah. music. <laughs> well, maybe also, you, you, you see, like, uh, when, when the tools weren't all they were cracked up to be, Joe would... Uh, he get an EPS synth, uh, sampler. Well, we got a sampler. In Sonic EPS. He'd uh, make a sample in it. <laughs> you know, and then play MIDI to the sampler to get the sound to be right. Okay, using those tools, he'd, make, he'd do the composition. And then he'd send those samples into the Super Nintendo system and feed that MIDI into it and then see what he had on the console. So he'd use kind of musical tools to unblock the creativity. And they were still pretty technical. Yeah. This is how yeah, I imagine it, Joe. Technical. Am I getting it wrong? No, you it got I had a, a card that plugged into a Super Nintendo, like just a stock Super Nintendo, and then I had a TV in my studio and speakers. And so yeah, I would I would do all my work on this little keyboard and then port it into the Super Nintendo to listen to it. I think eventually I, I could hear it real time, but I'm not sure. So it wasn't real time when you were first doing it. No. Well, it was real time on his composing. On his yeah, composing on my end it was, but right. yeah, it wasn't like I could push a, a a key and hear it through the Super Nintendo. But I think eventually I could, but I can't remember. Uh, yeah, it seems to me that those tools came along later, like an echo program, and right. it was the same with Miles, you know, playing on FM. Uh, you know, he came up eventually with an echo program for us, you know, where, where we could play our, our MIDI files out to to this running pro, TS, to TSR, a Terminate Stay Resident program. <laughs> that's, that's when you run two programs at once on a computer. Um, oh, my God. So he had one of those. Did you do yeah, that? He made, we made one for us. <laughs> yes. Had our, had our name on it, too, and, and wrote Ooh, letters. Wow. Yeah, and so we could listen to FM while we were composing. Yeah, so, I mean, we're not giving you every detail here, but you're getting kind of the swing of it. Yeah. Uh, that, that, yeah, the number one thing is make good music. Yeah. And then we were still having to pry open windows and doors so that we could fit through them. <laughs> Literally <laughs> windows. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Joe's, Joe's joke was, you know, we were always building a boat, you know, in the basement. It's like, all right, I built a boat in the basement. How are you going to get it out of there? You know, so, so, so we were, we were always like, you know, at the same time, we're writing the coolest tunes we could. Mm -hmm. There was always somebody going, okay, now how are we going to make it so people can actually hear this stuff? Right. And and, and the, hear it the way we wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. Or better. Yeah. So there was no like, there was no hardware limitations to what you wanted to do. You knew the song that you wanted to do, and the final result was that song. There's subtlety to that answer. I want Joe to handle it. Yeah. I, I mean, I could, I, 
I would just give the stock answer of happy accidents and being inspired by a certain tone would change things. The right. Super Nintendo had reverb and one echo. So, you know, that was like, oh, I can echo this guitar. Now I can use my Telecaster and make a tiny, tiny, tiny sample mm -hmm. and put the reverb on it. And it's going to sound kind of like a guitar. <sighs> but so my first experience in MIDI, I was in the studio with Larry Sire, who's this brilliant multi-Grammy award-winning guy and a good friend of ours. And he just started a cool podcast too, which is amazing. Oh, good. Yeah. I'll have to mm -hmm. check that out. So anyway, I'm in his studio and it was when I was really young and I had just written a song for my girlfriend and I came in and he said, well, I've got a drum machine. And I was like, okay. And he, he, he played the rhythm, you know, I played through it and everything. And I said, can I try it again? He goes, yeah. And it starts again. And I looked at him and I said, how did you rewind that fast? Because I was so used to tape. And he yeah. just cracked up and said, it's MIDI. I never did understand it until I started working with George. And then he told me what it was. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, here's the million dollar question. Do you understand it now? Okay, so George George was the boss, but we you know, we we have the relationship that we have, except I was a total pain in the ass many times. And I, I kind of refused to learn these basic things like how to send an email and stuff like that. But um, we were at Fat Lunch, and George was giving us a little rundown. He's like, now make sure your controller sevens are in place, not in the wrong spot. And I looked at George, and he said, what's a controller seven? So a controller seven is volume. It's a pretty basic command. <laughs> and he just looked at me like he was going to kill me. Oh, like, sorry, oh my Joe. God. <laughs> Did I kill you? You didn't kill <laughs> me. Right. No. No. <laughs> yeah. 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 See, before, uh, before the general MIDI and the sophisticated digital audio workstations, uh, we had to like kind of look at the list of commands in each MIDI channel and mm. there had to be a controller seven before the first note. And the first note actually had to be delayed just a tad so that the <laughs> so that the first note wouldn't if they were in the same tick, it's possible that the first the note could hit before the controller seven hit. So the first note would be the wrong volume and then the rest of the notes would be the right volume. I remember some of them. Yeah, so you had to put that in and the pan. What so, was pan, George? What was pan? Well, it's which speaker the sound comes from. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I don't remember. Uh, it was it 11? It might 11 be. 11 was. I see it every day in my yeah. DAW. 11 was something sexy, but I can't remember what it was. Yeah, it was like reverb or some luxury Sustained. expression. Yeah. Yeah. You got to hear my new cool. tune, man. I got a new tune came out on a game. Oh, my God. It's, it's kind of stealth right now. You know, we're not like promoting the heck out of it, but it just the trailer came out on Steam two days ago. Wow. So uh, so uh, let's see. What's it called? It's by Comico and it's called Screen Time. Screen, Can you send me a Screenplay. Link? Screenplay. I'll, I'll send it to you. Yeah. Screenplay. Okay. All right. Ooh. So, George, what what is controller number one? You know, Joe, Joe, me and numbers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would have to, one is... I'd have to open it up on the DAW. So once I map those, I have the, the left two faders perma mapped to right. expression and volume. But oh, I, nice. But once I've done that, I can forget the numbers again. 
Ten is which I do. Ten is pan. A ten. Oh, that's so and, familiar. This is like yeah. gross. It's like, hey, Joe, remember this? Ten is pan. And you're like, yeah, those were the, wow, oh, yeah. that's so cool. Boy. Let's go drink. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> number one is mod wheel. Mod I remember wheel. that. What's mod wheel? It goes, woo, woo, woo. Oh. No, no, it doesn't. That's pitch band, Joe. Mod oh, wheel goes, yeah. Like Ryan, changing. there is nothing in MIDI that goes. La, 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 la. <laughs> no, it all does. I mean, I've I've seen that happen in GarageBand, and that's that's MIDI. So I'm 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 kind of siding with George oh, on this one. It's it's vibrato. Vibra- vibrato. It's whatever you map vibrato. it to. Vibrato. That's you know, what... let's 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 not forget our layers oh, of indirection. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. <laughs> You know, you know, it's just a parameter. You can map it. You can map it to anything. If you're if yeah. you're an analog guy like me, that is so pretentious. Yep. I'm an analog guy because I, I danced with Don Buchla one time mm. when I was following Dave Smith around at the NAMM show. <laughs> we ended up. <laughs> George, we don't want to know about your personal life. <laughs> Dan Buchla is a very important analog guy. Okay, go ahead. Continue. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'll just put the quarter in the jar and stop. <laughs> so I hope this answers your questions, Ryan. Absolutely it does. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and is this where Putt-Putt comes in and goes, what's going on? Explain it all to me. No, he's just going to come and be like, I saved the zoo. And then he leaves. Yeah, right. <laughs> he's like, that's what we do to save the zoo. Bye, folks. Yeah, kids, you want to save the zoo? Just remember this. Pan is 10. Pan is 10. That's the secret cheat code to save the zoo. Pan is 10. Pan is 10. 10. Ryan, ask us another question. Get us off MIDI. Uh, Jumping into Humongous, uh, this one's specifically for George. Um, How did you meet Ron Gilbert? I was walking around at a trade show Mm -hmm. feeling very Mm cowboyish and important about myself, but not very secure about where my next gig was coming from. Hmm. And there were... they. Humongous had a table at the trade show part of this thing, you know, the the expo part. Mm-hmm. I, and I think it was Game Developer Conference. And it was not an impressive table, I'm going to tell you. It was a card table. Oh. And there and there were some discs and stuff like that. And I, and I basically said, hey, I do music. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I might have dropped a name that I'd done Loom or Wing Commander or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, that's great. We we are looking for music. Mm-hmm. And we traded business cards. And I actually have this weird impression that they, on the spot, gave me a, like a, a CD of, did they have CDs? Or a stack of discs? Of, of like, they gave me like Fatty Bear or Putt, or, or Putt Parade or something. Mm-hmm. You know, they gave me some real... Uh, Real prototype thing, either yeah. either an early print of something that hadn't come out, uh, or maybe they mailed me something. But the, it was just like instant business. Wow! And uh, and then I was in contact with Ron, and yeah. uh, and we started working on uh, Moon. Moon, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Man. that was you, George, wasn't it? Mm. That was me, and my gimmick for that one was that I wasn't going to play all the MIDI myself. 
I was going to mm. hook up my brother on drums and the MIDI mm. was going to come out of the drums and go into my sequencer. Then I was going to have Floyd Domino, the greatest, mm -hmm. play keyboard into it. And then I was going to get, and now I can't think of his name, but there was a bassist who played keyboard too. So I said, you're going to play bass lines on the keyboard. So we had two keyboards and Dave on these drum pad things. And, and we were recording it direct to MIDI. Okay. And, and that was the gimmick. So we'd have real musicians on MIDI for the first time in a game. And you can go to my Bandcamp page. At, I'm sure all, all, all your guys have <laughs> yeah. already gone there. But, yeah. <laughs> but the, those guys were unbelievable. And, and please, you know, if, if, you, if you get a chance to, to edit this thing, look up the name of that bass player because he was very cool and he did great and just kind of dub it in right there. Okay. Just, you know. That was Kevin Brown. <laughs> Um, Papa goes to the, so it was an instant, so it was like an instant connection with you and Ron. Like he knew that you were going to be a part of Humongous. He knew that the next, uh, flagship game, Papa goes to the moon. He wanted you to be on. So it's like that instant thing right there. I don't think that, I think we could have been anybody, but we, we, we were lucky that we turned out to be us. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that he, we just, we fit the suit. Yeah. You know, is the old expression. You know, we're yeah. putting on a show and you fit the suit. You got the job. So uh, I think that that was what he wanted. I don't, I don't remember auditioning with anything. Really? Um, we just uh, started working and he had very good, very advanced ideas for what audio could do. Right. Um, and he, after a while, trusted that we were, that we had a good rep and that we were doing good work. Uh, and he moved forward with us, uh, but there was no long-term contract. In fact, there was, uh, you know, always kind of, <laughs> I got the impression, I don't want to smear him at all, but I got the impression that uh, he'd pay us for the last game the day before he had a new game to bring to us. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. That's just my sick impression. If that's not true, I apologize. And if it is true, I don't care. We got the jobs and it was fun. And, and I have all the respect yeah. in the world for that man. Because uh, yeah. he was always pushing things forward and we got to ride in that wake. So, yeah, we worked with him uh, as long as we could. And at a certain point, he started, uh, I think he got Jeremy Soule and his brother in house. Um, yeah, 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 and so that started to to split off. But uh, but all in that time up there, we gave them all we could, and uh, it was a good run. Yeah. So, when working with Humongous, it was Freddie Fish and Puppet Saves the Zoo, and then was it right after Puppet Saves the Zoo? Because the next game was Puppet Travels Through Time that they decided to go in house. Did. What was Ron's main reason behind it? Because I, I felt like Papa Travels Through Time wasn't, in my opinion, the strongest soundtrack. And then they kind of came back with Enters the Race. And then when you came back for Pep's Birthday Surprise, I'm like, this feels like putt-putt. And then... Oh, was... bless your heart, Ryan. Yeah. Nobody ever said this to me before. <laughs> but, but, but you know what? Out loud, I can only say, oh, I, I'm, I'm sure that... Uh... What, what should I say, Joe? <laughs> uh, sure that uh, Ed over in music at Humongous did a great job. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're all uh, we're all professionals, and we're all trying. Right. To, you know, and I I I I think that the, I don't know what you're talking about, Ryan. I was <laughs> okay, Ryan George, let me 
<laughs> let me go on about this now. Now, now that I've got it. Um, mm-hmm. So George was uh, instrumental. And, mm-hmm. and one of the big rules of Team Fat was it's not computer music. You've got to write from the heart. Right. And I think what, what you just stated was a really great example of George's genius, which is mm-hmm. do good music first. Um, the fact that uh, those first games that we did were so complementary to the, the the visuals and everything else. I mean, mm-hmm. that was that was all not a mistake. You know, mm-hmm. George studied that stuff, and he he knew. You know, it was it, it was more like scoring a movie. I think those putt putt games for George. Yeah. And you know, you can't you can't get just a stock musician and say, hey, write some you know write some music for this and have it tie to the game like like George did. And mm-hmm. I mean, I you know I I. I've never really articulated that before, but hearing you as a as a young fan of that music, you know, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. It was a very intentional trying to lock emotion with video games. You know, I can't tell you, Ryan. Um, you know, we came from Joe was a was kind of a guitar god in in uh, in his mind and in Austin. Um, a songwriting it, god, not a guitar god. Oh, I, I, I thought in uh, in this the, is the town of Eric Johnson and yeah, Monty Montgomery, and, and he and he was that, and that's why that's why I wanted to work with him. He was he was the best songwriter I knew, <laughs> and uh, and video games, video, music yeah. for video games was a joke. Yes. Yeah, and that's hard for you to to to, to understand, really, but it was just stupid. And I was I really had to leverage out my faith that it would really? become something. And I still feel a little traumatized that I stretched out so yeah. far. I still kind of feel a little bad that that I didn't know what game music would become. And I was telling Joe, hey, take all that heart that you put into your uh, your your punk music, yeah. your kids music, your uh, artistic music, your indie music. Well, indie wasn't invented yet. And and put it, <laughs> put that into this game music. It'll be big someday. And I didn't know, so I was basically saying, "Come on, get in the covered wagon." There's no Indians. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I didn't know it was irresponsible of me. But that was my vision, and that was what we did. And it actually kind of came to fruition a little, a little late for us. But to see it come to uh, fruition now in this interview with you today, uh, there's a, there's a real uh, satisfaction and a sense of vindication, I guess, or just a sense of being having been lucky, and uh, you know, I'm right. glad it, I'm glad it came out this way, and mm-hmm. we made a good living for a, for a while. Well, when I say good living, we we made a living in music uh, and had a ton of fun, um, but but yeah. it was it was a roll of the dice. And Ryan, and Ryan, like, just to give you perspective, it wasn't just like video game music was mm-hmm. simplistic and it, it people did not like video game music. Yeah. Whenever we'd say, oh, yeah, we do video game music. Oh, so you do the bloops and the bleeps or, oh, so you do that irritating stuff mm-hmm. that we have to listen to when our kids play this. And, hey, George oh. is writing for the ice cream truck now. 
<laughs> well, ice cream trucks sound pretty good now, actually. <laughs> they do. <laughs> but but we but Joe and I would have these kind of knockdown dragouts. Oh. You know, they, no, not not knockdown. Heart to hearts. Yeah. Where where you know we we take long walks out into the country on the railroad <laughs> tracks. Yep. And uh, and it's like well you know it would have to be look you got to just put your best put your heart into this you might as well make something beautiful yeah. yeah yeah even if nobody hears it nobody likes it this is where we're this is where we're putting it and if it turns out to be a new medium that that people like yeah. then then this will be this will be a big thing and this will pay off and this will touch hearts and even if they don't know that their hearts are being touched you know, we'll just let's just do this, and that's kind of how especially I if it. they don't know their hearts are being touched. Nice, right? <laughs> nice. Yeah. If they don't know their hearts need to be touched, and then we touch it with music, that's we, about the best. We didn't thing you use the do. vocabulary that yeah. we're blessing people, but I think that that's yeah. a really good word, and that was kind of what we were yeah. dancing around. Yeah, yeah, and you know, just to clarify that. That seemed really foreign to me because I felt like I was doing real music outside of, you know, the, the beginnings of the Absolutely. video game music. Mm-hmm. But um, what happened to me in that is George, having a degree in composition, he started <laughs> very carefully mm-hmm. uh, sort of teaching me about real composition and things like that. And um, so it it became, you know, not only for me, it became not only, I I was dragged into giving that music emotion through composition. And George, George really turned me on to composition. And then it became, oh, how, how good can I make this? And how, you know, how moving can I make this? And we, and we loved one-upping each other too. (laughs) So if I did something, I, I, I especially like Tiny Hero because I wrote this mm-hmm. this tune, it was really kind of like, in some ways, it felt like you know, fire, fire, fire. My heart has got desire, you know. And, but you know, it was very angsty. Um, right. And Joe really took it and said, "George, it this just shows me how little you know about modern music." <laughs> and, you know, and that kind of thing would happen. And, you know, I didn't say that, right? <laughs> and, okay. And he'd pull over and recompose it, and then and I'd say, "Well, you got to add." Oh, my, my comeback was you got to start it with the word hey. And, you know, you got to put the word hey. Uh, da, 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 da. And, and, well, no, I don't want to put it here. He'd put it there. You know, I mean, we just do this back and forthy thing. And it was just fun. You can't touch hearts by using, well, I'd tell Govett, you can't tell, you're not touching hearts by using samples. You know, it's not about, <laughs> it's not about the tones, it's about the notes and where they go. And then he would get to the point where it's like his tones are so magnificent that that now Hans Zimmer and and the uh, you know Cirque du Soleil are calling him in for the tones, or he'd write something that'd just make me cry, and he'd say, "Well, you know, sometimes you get the right samplers samples on your keyboard, and uh, you know it kind of inspires you to write something." And I'd be just, "Doggone it! You, you showed me again." And Team Fat was always just showing me. I, I'd go in all dogmatic, and 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 they'd. Show me that. You know, I'd lay down the law. This is what art is all about. They they <laughs> blow me out of the water. It was great. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, like one upping and like learning is like that's the best part about doing something you love and also it being your job. So like that's so freaking cool. Yeah, with people that you love and yeah, yeah. I mean it. 
we joked about the Beatles in the beginning of this thing, mm-hmm. but it was it was very Beatles like. We were we were all on each other's sides, and we were yeah. all kind of subtly competing with each other to see how <laughs> how how far we could go. And the beautiful thing was that no matter what we did, the you know if if we happened to win that day, it looks good for all of us. So it was yeah. it was really a a machine that just kept moving forward and forward. Yeah. And we're working together again, Joe and me. Yeah. You get to reignite those flames again, bring back that fun. That's oh, right. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we've been both doing games alone, which is, that's not fun. No, it's not. <laughs> You're away from the people that, like, just brings energy to everything. Like, yes. So that's cool that you guys are back together again. That It's, it's way too cool. It's way too cool. Yeah, it's way too cool. I think we're both excited about it. Yeah. You know, and the one one of the things with video game music as you probably know is that, you know, a lot of the people that work in the video game industry are programmers. Yeah. So, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of logical things and, you know, stuff like that. So, it's mm-hmm. it is good to have a team and another person to bounce aesthetics off of and stuff yes. like that because I you know, in working alone with video companies, I've, I've discovered that, you know, sometimes I, I, I would have given up where George, George would stick up for us. You know, we'd write something completely inappropriate that was beautiful. Yeah. And the, the you know, the company would say, eh, I don't know about that. And George would be like, <laughs> OK, look, this, <laughs> this is a brilliant piece of work. And is that how Welcome to the Zoo came? <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, well, Welcome to the Zoo, yeah. He, he, he sent us lyrics that was like, Welcome to the Zoo, Zoo, Zoo. Yeah. You can have fun, too, 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 with the kangaroos, roos, roos. You know, and that was kind of, there was a little more to it. I, I actually found a copy of it somewhere, of what he sent. I think, it's, I think it's online. I don't know. Dig around. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's in the, in the museum, you know, in the oh, archive. Okay. But, you know, I was like, I could I can write a song, you know. What you need is a you need you know. I'm thinking, do an Alan Sherman song, do a Weird Al song, you know, do something yeah. with a clever, clever rhyme, and let's do the world's first music video in a game. Yes, let's do that. And I, I called Ron with that idea, or maybe faxed him. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was a phone call because I remember uh, I, I I think it was the same call. Uh, he said, "Okay, okay, we'll do that." So I'm like, okay, oh. that was my permission to go ahead with the rest of the song and write it. Right. Or maybe I'd written it first. I don't remember. But uh, I remember in that. And I said, also, uh, can you, uh, I want to do a cameo. Can I have a cameo in the game? Yeah. And so he said, yeah, yeah, just a second. He says, he says, hey, Bill, or whoever it was, you know, you know that, the billboard, the billboard, <laughs> could you add one more thing to the billboard? Uh, playing in Cartown, the fat man and team fat, and just like draw... Yeah. The goofiest looking cowboy in a red suit that you can do. Oh yeah, I know that. I know that secret Easter egg. I used yeah. that for the uh, uh, for the um, yeah for our, for our screenshot, our screen cap. Yeah, yeah. I went in and had that animated. Had you talking with yeah. that? <laughs> so, so, so I just want to say about Ron Gilbert. He was he was always uh, cautiously cautiously game. Uh, or the opposite. Uh, he was uh, adventurously smart. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he was not just going to throw everything away on, on, a, on, a, on a goofy idea. But then again, 
he wasn't completely averse to getting really close to that. You know, mm-hmm. he was a very inspired guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had worlds forming in his head all the time. Right. Um, and we were bullets in his gun. And that's that's really the story of, you know, where the other musicians came in and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Is that Ron, Ron Gilbert... You know he's 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 a machine of creativity, and he's yeah. going and going and coming up with these great ideas and these worlds. Yeah, and it's not his job, you know, to to say, you know, these are the four people I'm going to work with every single time. You know, it's like no, 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 no. Watch the Beatles get back. You know, and the 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 way that they treat even each other. You know, yeah. they 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 stick together in the end, but they're like bring in. Bring in Billy, you know, we don't need this guy. You know, it's like mm-hmm. the, the, the vision is stronger. And, and we were lucky to get caught up in that swirl. And it took us to great places that we wouldn't have gone otherwise. And, and, and I had some great times with, uh, with him later. I went up and visited him one time. And hey, you know about this. I got, I got a little ride in his purple Miata yeah. and got to hang out at his house. And I think he had a float plane. We didn't get to go up in it, but... Uh, but we hung out. I, I had a business venture that I wanted his advice on, and he yeah. gave me some very, very cool advice. And we we uh, we had a re- really good hang, and I got nothing but respect for him. Yeah, man, that, that's some crazy adventures that you guys been on with him, and I'm crazily shocked that he he took in all those ideas because like i never would have thought for a game to have a musical number like Putt Putt Saves the Zoo did because like. That that's like a whole ton of work you got, George. You had to make the music for it. You had to go back and write all these lyrics, and the animators had to go in and animate it. Yeah, like, yeah. We threw our we threw our part in for nothing, but but that cost him money. You know. Yeah. I mean, basically, we're saying, hey, you're gonna you're gonna take money out of your pocket and make us cool, look cooler. <laughs> um, but the rising tide's gonna make people like the game more. And actually, that irritated him too. It was kind of funny story. I talked to him after that game, and he said, you know, my niece was playing that game, and and you know, George, all she wanted to do was click on those topiary creatures over and over mm-hmm. again. And and to him, that wasn't, wow, you know, as cool as the game is, here's one thing that's even, you know, that's one more thing that's like a jewel in the crown. It's more like yeah. she's not getting to the good stuff a little bit. He likes yeah. to be the grumpy gamer, you know. <laughs> and that's who he is, the grumpy gamer. The grumpy gamer. <laughs> But that, that, that that's crazy, and it, it became a staple for all the Papa games after that. And it's just like, it, it, you see the big shift, and it's music and technology making the shift from Papa Goes to the Moon to Putt-Putt Saves the Zoo. And then there was that in-between time where Freddy Fish 1 was going to be in the same vein as Putt-Putt Goes to the Moon. And then Ron had that vision of going to the Windows 95. And he's like, we're going to make Freddy Fish this high-res game. No midis. We're going to have orchestras. We're going to have all this. It's going to be fully animated. Yep. That was huge. That was huge. And I had no idea of what that meant, except that he was saying, you can use any instruments you want. And I'm like, yeah <laughs> and 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 brian i want to be yeah. real clear too when we're talking about when we're when we're joking around about the other putt-putt games that that came after us i'm not familiar with the music in them so if i'm joking about them being good or bad i actually don't know and 
George, I remember when you came back from hanging out with Ron Gilbert, and what, what I remember is you said he had a really big house and he had this little dog. Mm-hmm. So you'd hear the dog coming from a long distance. You'd hear this little... <laughs> Gonna get closer and closer. <laughs> it was echoing through the house because there was no furniture in the house. There's a little desk with a, that was piled up with computers, and there are a lot of like unopened like cardboard boxes and stuff. Yeah. Hey, well, when you got a little dog pittering pattering, I mean, that's there you that's go. a good reason to have a big house. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, acoustically, it was interesting. Oh, I bet so. So, George, um. We we touched on Freddie there for a second. This is a good good opportunity for me to ask you this because this is this is a question directly for you. It Papa Goes to the Moon had a wave version for Windows where you could use real instruments. And I I re- faintly remember when Tim was uh releasing with you Papa Goes to the Moon, the orchestra versions weren't archived so uh, we'll, we'll talk about that a little after but when you were working on Papa Goes to the Moon you said you wrote for MIDI was that being done first and then the orchestra was done after for the Windows version? Uh, well, let's see what what happened uh, so on Putt Moon the interesting thing was I was going to turn in MIDI okay so, so we didn't have uh, recorded. Wait, is that right? Well, the Windows version had recorded instruments. What that was you, right? Put Moon was yeah. me. Yeah. But if I could have recorded instruments, I would have. So what I must have done was uh, I must have given them MIDI samples, MIDI and samples. So I must have sampled okay. Dave's D drums. Mm-hmm. And then giving them the MIDI and the and the and the files. Otherwise, if I could have done recordings, I absolutely would have. I must have given them samples. Was there a MIDI version too? Yeah, there was. Um, the f- not the floppy version. The 3DO version was MIDI, and there was another version that was MIDI. And then the Windows and Macintosh were using uh, Humongous's version of a WAV file. So they those must have been the sampled ones. Yeah. So yeah. So I, I would. I only turned in one version. I didn't. I, I didn't. I didn't record those. Or I might have taken my my rendition. Yeah. Of what we did for the MIDI. Uh huh. And said, okay, now you've got. Now we can do because we had to do MIDI. Yeah. So I had to record it that weird way. That's what I captured. So I would have taken my best way of reproducing that mm-hmm. and said okay here now i'm playing back my midi version my midi files I, right. i'm kind of re- re- recreating this in my mind now but i would have taken my midi files and i would have played back the sam- the best samples i had so i would have borrowed dave's d drum box okay and i would have used my mt32 or whatever and mm-hmm. uh and I would have played back uh on that captured it on dat okay probably and uh, yeah, and so that's probably what I would have done there. Okay. So interesting. So, I, so uh, what the missing the missing element is in there is what did the MIDI play back on? And I really don't know. Really? Okay. Yeah. Because I I've always been so shocked about that 
since because the the MIDI versions well, of some course, of them would have played back on... on FM, right? Yeah, yeah. So hmm. so I would have I would have turned in uh, ter- I, I would have turned in the uh, the MIDI file the MIDI file, and I don't remember where the FM came from. Maybe maybe we shaped up some FM sounds, but I don't think so. I think we might have left it to them. So I'm gonna have to wind up pretty soon. Let me let me let me take a little break, and I'll come back for a little bit. Maybe we can get in some moments with the Govet. Back in a sec. Okay. Right. Joe, I can shoot some questions at you while George's out, if that's all right. Well, I was saying now that he's gone, I can speak freely. <laughs> you get to tell us all the secret things George has done. <laughs> so there are three songs um, that resonate in my head that you had a big part on uh, from Pup Hut Saves the Zoo, which was Backroads, Patio Wagon, and... Oh my God, Baldini's theme song. So, so, so I I cannot for the life of me say it. Saponi. So, uh, it's S P U M O N I. Spumoni. Spumoni. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Baldini's <laughs> theme song. Um, those three songs, they are whenever you go to these zones, you're like, oh, that's Putt Putt Saves a Zoo, and like there are some banger hits, especially, um. Backroads, I like a lot um, because you're just traveling through Car Town and you hear Backroads come on, and like he's not going to know what tune Backroads is. Oh, he won't. Oh, uh, yes, I am because I have the internet. <laughs> he's looking it up right now. Right now, um, I think. Yeah. That's what I got. Oh, is that a whistling one? Uh, whistling was uh. Hold on, now now you got me. Now you got me going all crazy here. Let me see. Hold on, hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, I, 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 did did. Oh, hold on, I found it. Yeah, that's Patty Wagon. Oh. Oh wait, no, that's Chuck Wagon. Yeah, it's Chuck Wagon. Yeah. So, like, it, you, I was going to, like, ask, what was it like going, making these songs? Because, like like I said earlier, you go to these zones, and you're like, this is their theme song. Like, wh- how many versions did you go through to get to where what was released in the game? What was that like? Could you walk <laughs> us through it, like, if you, if you remember any of it? Well, if, if my memory serves me right, which it really does... Um... We we did a lot of sketches. Yeah, like I, I I remember that that was my thing. I would just do a bunch of sketches and see if if anybody liked anything. <laughs> Does that sound accurate, George? Yeah, uh, but what also sounds sounds you know, I think what Ryan's probably not getting is that we we weren't often going off of visuals or details. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times it was like we need four tunes for uh you know for you know jungle yeah and we need four jungly tunes but then we get something like for uh 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 for the various animals there it was specific you know there's going to be a little snake he's going to be sad but we didn't really see what the scene was did we oh no we must have had the audio joe we must have had the audio because we, we knew how long it lasted, and we and we'd play it to the thing. But uh, when when we do sketches, uh, 
it was not so much throwing a bunch of the wall and seeing if it would stick. Mm -hmm. I think it was more like, this is how far I've gotten on this one. Yeah, we dig it. Here's, you know, they didn't usually get rejected. Yeah. Uh, but they, it, that's true. It'd be yeah. more like, uh, I think my most common comment was try to work in the theme. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, or see if you can put some drums on it. Right. You know, but usually, usually my comment was something that I learned from Joe when, when he, he was teaching, uh, he, he ran a Montessori school. And he said, when kids will sit on the ground and color with each other, they don't go, you know, they don't critique each other's things. It's like, this is my drawing. I like yeah. your drawing. <laughs> and, and that is, a, that's, you know, that's my production method. You know, okay. I said, like, that's great. <laughs> Do that. What a team. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so so we just kind of, and then you know, I think a lot of the iterations, it was like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, well I'm gonna, you you think that's good? I'm gonna make it better. Oh. And we we do that that to each other. George, you don't you don't know what you don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, he showed well, up with that uh, that sweet sugar party song on uh, on Pajama Sam. You are what you eat. Yeah, I mean. He he picked up a saxophone and started and then started playing it, and that was like his first Who? sax song. Who's that? You. Oh me? Yeah, you played sax on on on. Who's gonna be at the party? Oh. Yeah. And wow. that was what inspired me to pick up my trumpet again. Wow, I'm learning so much today. <laughs> and then also on that song, I remember saying, "Well, when are you gonna write the words for that?" And you're like, "It doesn't have words." <laughs> and so it's like, oh, you're you're wrong this time. Uh -oh. <laughs> so, so I wrote the words for that one. Man. Right. I kind of remember that. Well, and Ryan, keep in mind too that we were uh we were very in sync with each other and yeah. and we were we were doing so much writing all the time that we we got really good at just being able to say this I think this is going to work. Yeah, and you know the the four heads are better than one thing. Really, really kind of um, came into play. You get to play off of each other, and the more feedback, the more heads. Like everything is much better when you have four heads. Like even even versus the sketches. Like everyone kept playing back and forth to get to the song to where it was. They came out so good that I I would have never expected that that it was just like play fighting with each other, brainstorming <laughs> back and forth. Like that's how this good song yeah. came out. And like and I don't think a lot of people know that is when you're when you're on a team, it's not just it's not just delegating things. When you're on a team, you have the four heads playing with each other to get the best result possible. Yep. I remember early on, Joe, I tried to be like a disciplined I was I tried to be the the uh you know, the, I tried to be more of a producer, and it's like we—I was—we were trying to do weekly good but could be better meetings. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And so, like, bring everybody brings something to the table, and then we play good but could be better. Because to me, everything is good, but could be better, no matter how yeah. good it is or how crappy it is. You know, there's going to be something that it'll fit. So at least you can say, well, that could fit 
in a movie where you know the television <laughs> is broken and uh, the drunk person is trying to write a bad song. Um, but you know, yeah, there's always some place it could go. Like, what are you trying to do? And uh, but that, that didn't last very long because that put me in too much of a position of authority. Well, and I, God knows, I needed a little authority in the in the early days, George. George taught me to show up on time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, showing up on time is very important. <laughs> it's a big deal. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And 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 we're not we're not uh, just being. Uh, there's not a passive aggressive uh, comment about you, Dave Govett, if you're listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and you know, I, I'm going to have to wrap up. Do you do you want to throw a? I mean, that, those there's some good uh, concluding remarks there. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. No, let's let's just conclude with uh, where we can find both of you and the new game project. What can we expect from that? And you know, just. Lead us out with who you are and what do we, what can we expect in the future? Well, uh, Joe, are we looking for your children's music or? Yeah, what, yeah. <laughs> how do we how do we find that? Um, uh, I believe I'm on Pandora and Spotify and all those places, but it's just Joe McDermott. If you Google Joe McDermott children's music, you'll find it. And then I I just completed a game last year for a company in Florida called Shiver. Mm-hmm. And I can't say anything about it, but hopefully it'll be out soon. Fantastic. What about you, George? Okay, on Steam, they just released a trailer. Comico just released a trailer for Screen Life. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's got my music on it. And uh, I, I think you guys will like it. It's It's got the old surf and it's got some new orchestral sounds and it's kind of cool. Uh, but really, just go to my Bandcamp page, The Fat Man and Team Fat on Bandcamp. Uh, that's, that's the funnest. And then Joe and I, it looks like, uh, it's probably a little premature to say, but, uh, it, it looks like we're going to be doing some retro stuff with a company called, it's not, it's not signed yet, but the company is called Mega Cat and they actually make cartridges. So let's, let's get, this is where I came in, man. (laughs) (laughs) And this might be where we go out. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, those cigarettes will kill you, Joe. Yeah, fast enough. <laughs> they don't seem to be working very fast, do they? Not fast enough. Well, this was exciting. I thank both of you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedules to come and talk with me. I know everyone appreciated it, and we'll, we're so excited to see what you guys do in the future. And thank, thank you, you so much. Well, Ryan, thank you for recognizing this. You know, it's that it was a great time for all of us, and it, it's it feels very good to have some young guy go, "Wow, that was cool." <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Well, emulator. All right. Are we gonna do the? Uh, oh team yeah, team five, five, five. One, two, Ready? three. Uh, <laughs> missed by a mile. All right, well done. <laughs> All right, everybody. Bye. Thank Take you care. again. Brave and cheerful. Could have been more careful. Hot pot goes to the moon. And when you get through, you'll have lots of fun. But we hope you'll come back soon. We're glad that you're happy. But what but make it snappy? Papa, come back from the moon.